welcome to the debut episode of the Copper and Blue podcast. We're going to be a weekly podcast, I hope, covering all the Edmonton Oilers news and games of the week. I am your host, Preston Hodgkinson, and joining me this week are co-hosts Shona and Corey, some fellow writers at Copper and Blue. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. How are you? Well, not too bad at all. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. Oh, I'm doing great, Preston. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, fantastic. After a g- big win against the Calgary Flames, the Oilers beat the Flames 3 2 in a very tense battle of Alberta to improve to 3 1 against the Calgary Flames this year. It was a tough week for the Oilers before that, though. They lost three straight against the Maple Leafs, only scoring one goal throughout all three of those games. Uh, where are some of your guys' thoughts on this week as an Oilers fan? It's getting kind of up and down. Yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't a good week uh, when, when you lose. I, I, I guess only – was it were all three games against the, the, the Leafs this week, or was that just the last two of them? The first one was Monday. Yeah, um, we had three games. So, yeah, no, three. bad week because, uh, of course, today is Monday. So, I didn't, I didn't know if, if we were counting that. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so you lose three games. Uh, you win one. That's a bad week, of course. Uh, they – looked like crap against the Leafs every single game. I mean, they might have played well for a couple periods in one of them, but and then I wasn't really impressed at all by the first period against the Flames last night either, but at least they turned it around, so we've got a little bit of a two periods of good hockey uh, you know, most recently to to hang their hat on. So, maybe that looks good going into next week, but certainly not impressed with the with the state of the team versus where we were a week ago. I'm maybe I've been uh, at this too long, but I I'm used to the Oilers rattling off a series of disappointed losses. So I'm not going to let yeah. it get to me too much. Um, I'm a little bit irked that it is against the Leafs. There's a few fan bases that can rival the Oilers for vitriol and like just sheer cussedness. And the Leafs definitely got that fan base. So it'd be nice if we could, you know, win against them this year, which I'm pretty sure we haven't done. Oh, um, we've won two. Not, we've won two. One, two. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> shame on me because <laughs> they're not memorable but um they're uh i think they're gonna need to pick it up but then again I'm, I'm gonna give them a little slack because they are playing um teams that they are gonna see a lot this year so there's obviously gonna be some adjustment to how you play against teams if you're seeing them seven times or eight times in a year compared to how you play against them if you're seeing them two times like they're gonna learn your systems more and maybe toronto's just kind of had Edmonton's number in that series and hopefully they pick it up and learn from it and get a new number right yeah, yeah See what their next series with Toronto looks like yeah and then because of those losses we saw some uh, tweaks to the lineup we have a new top six now Drysaddle being reunited with McDavid in last night's first period against the Calgary Flames they did have Pugliarvi on that line for a little bit but then Yamamoto was put on on that line in replacement of Puliarvi, and that led to a second line of Ennis, Nugent Hopkins, and Puliarvi, who looked all right, but uh, not as impressive as that first line. What are your guys' thoughts on that first line last night? Well, I would like obviously something drastic like putting Drysaddle with McDavid is, in my opinion, not something that we should be doing every single game. It's kind of a, hey, the offense isn't working. What's going to make it work? Okay, as an emergency, we'll put our two MVPs together and see if, like, surely they can score some goals. 
And uh, that's always kind of the case. Thins out the roster a little bit. I feel like we only have five forwards who I really think are bona fide, true top six guys being the two MVPs, Nugent Hopkins, uh, and then, of course, Pugliarvi and, and Yamamoto. So you're going to have one of Pugliarvi or Yamamoto on that dry sidle McDavid line when they're together. Uh, when, they're, when they're not together, you're able to space out your talent a little bit, maybe have two legit scoring lines and then like a decent third line that has a Tyler Ennis or someone like that on it. Um, you're kind of putting your all your eggs in one basket, but also that, that line's going to get you like two goals every game. So if you absolutely can't score at all, I do like that Tippett's willing to go to it. I just don't want it to be something that we see every single game. Yeah, like Corey was saying, I don't think it's a law or a top six we'll have for long. I think we'll have it for a game, maybe two games, to try to kickstart some offense and to build some confidence before they start splitting them up again. Because, like, you know, it's all over the media in the last week about how they're not scoring, how the top lines for the Oilers, the top stars aren't scoring goals, how they're, you know, not this reliable offense. So, obviously, like, the narrative is something you need to take care of. The Oilers need to score goals. They need to like be putting the puck in the net. And how do they do that? Well, you know, if you've been paying attention to the Oilers for the last four years, and so many of our fans have been, that's put McDavid and Drysaddle together. You know, you put McDavid and Drysaddle together, the puck gets in the net. Does it give you really one fantastically solid line and a second line that's, you know, 75% there and a third line that's maybe 40% there? Yeah, it does. It gives you like, weaknesses in your second and your third lines but it does give you a a lot first line that you know if the people you're playing haven't you know well scouted it you know don't know the tendencies of it haven't seen it a ton should get you some offense and should give the Oilers a chance to get some breathing room to figure out what the heck's going on with their offense so that they can build those lines back up so that they're effective into the home stretch of their season right they need to find something that works long term but sometimes the only way to find something that works short term or long term is to, to get something in there that works short term to shake out, you know, what's been going on for them. So if they keep lines that aren't McDavid and Drysaddle together and keep not scoring, well, that's going to hurt the morale of the team way worse than sticking them together for a couple of games. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, and the addition of having Yamamoto and Pugliarvi come out as like legitimate, like legitimate top six wingers is really helping the case here. Because I know in years past, we'd put McDavid and Dreisaitl, and that was it. We didn't know who was going to be that third guy there. It didn't really matter who that third guy was there. And uh, Yamamoto proved how important it is to have a kind of a trigger man on that line to, to help them just be that more that much more dangerous. Um, and Pugliarvi does give that second line some legitimacy with Nugent Hopkins. But once again, with that second line, we're running into a problem of, well, who's that third guy going to be? Cahoon, maybe. He struggled recently. Uh, Ennis is that guy right now. I, I like Ennis. He has played well this year. Um, I don't think he should be scratched as much as he has been, but a second line winger, it's, it's pushing it a little, a little bit for me. I agree with you guys that this should be a, a combination that we see for a couple of games just until we start getting goals on the board again. Get McDavid confident in his shot. Get Drysettle confident in, in his game because Drysettle is one of those players that has looked so frustrated over the course of the past four games here. Uh, he took two bad penalties that were born out of frustration against the Flames on Saturday. 
So just to get those guys going will be so important for the Oilers. And it'll be important down the stretch to give dry settle that second line spot um, just to give the Oilers two legitimate uh, top scoring lines in the league. Um, other than that, we had some more changes possibly incoming on the defensive side of things. The first thing I want to talk about, Theodore Lenstrom. He's joined the main group at practice on Sunday. Could this mean someone is hurt? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, certainly could mean that someone's hurt. Uh, obviously, I don't, I don't know whether or not someone actually is hurt. I do know that it's a very tough – as much as the Oilers don't have a great blue line – because they don't have great top end blue liners. It still is a tough six blue liners to crack. Like, I feel like we have decent seven and eight blue liners who would be NHL players on most teams. So I think it's just tough to get in the lineup as the six slash seventh or possibly eighth defenseman for the Oilers. Um, so do I, do I know if Lindstrom will make much of a, of a difference? I can't, I can't imagine that he plays that much just because of who they have. But, you know, if there is an injury that I'm, I'm not aware of and he does have to come in and play in that bottom pairing, uh, which sometimes is honestly like depending on who the bottom pairing is can be our best pairing. I feel like the way Tippett rolls out these, these defense cores, I, I just don't even know if, uh, if there's much of a drop off between one, two and three. It's just a bunch of guys who are kind of middle six or mid, middle pair NHL defensemen who just got thrown on the top pair, on the second pair, on the third pair, sometimes scratched. Uh, so, you know, yeah, let's, yeah. let's see what he can do. But I, I don't I don't really see him making this lineup if if no one's hurt. Yeah, and uh, uh, he could just be a replacement for Cuckoo, right, Who who's out for a lengthy period of time, who I really thought was a, was a surprising player early on in the season. Um, I don't think Lindstrom will be, like, that impactful. I doubt he sees a game, but it is worthy to note that he's with the main group now when he hasn't been all season. Shona, do you have any uh, thoughts on this? I think that it's always interesting because even if he doesn't play, he's going to add something different um, to the team, right? Like they're, you know, you see the guys that you don't see in, um, in games, but maybe they're pushing the other guys in practice for spots. Like Corey was talking about how our, our defense doesn't have that huge drop off between maybe the fourth defense man and the seventh defenseman so if you've got another guy that's coming in that can push and push you know you're going to start to see hopefully you're going to start to see guys pick up their game to prove that they you know that first pair defenseman or that second pair defenseman instead of just sitting on their laurels being like yeah Tippett's been playing me on the first pair I'm going to stay on the first pair well no you know if you're getting pushed in practice and the defensive coaches and Tippett are seeing people push you and push you around you know maybe you're not going to stay you know so I think that Maybe he doesn't make the lineup, but I think he can I mean, anyone they bring in to like push in practice, to push for a spot, to change like any sense of complacency you're getting in the group or to see people who can um, can push and maybe break into that lineup in case of injury or in case of fatigue or, you know, this is a compressed season, right? It's not, you don't got the recovery time. You're starting to see the wear and the tear on the players because they don't have that recovery time, you know shifting or shifting these 56 games into this, this shortened season there, you know, it's harder on them. So like you want to be sure you've got these guys, whether you use them or not, that can step in if you need them. You want to be sure that you're pushing your guys to be the best guys they can be out there night after night, because you gotta, you gotta know that every other team is bringing their best, right? So if your defense is half-assing it, you know, against Winnipeg or against 
Montreal or against Toronto, you know, we just saw that this week, you can't win. And if you can't win, you can't, you know, succeed because you're seeing these guys, these same six teams in this division so many more times. So yeah, you, you do need people that can push you, can push your defenseman to be better, can push for those spots, even if they don't crack the roster. So who knows if you'll see him, but I sure hope he makes an impact. Oh yeah. I think everyone here is cheering for Lindstrom to be, to be good. Like why wouldn't we be cheering for him to be good? We're Oilers fans after all. Another guy that's coming up that should be coming back into the lineup soon is William Legison. He will come back. He has impressed this season already. He's been a solid third line or third pairing defenseman, uh, which is really encouraging as Oilers fans. Uh, my question to you guys is when he comes back, who comes out? He's a left-handed guy. Who's going to be the, the casualty of him coming back into the lineup? Well, you know, let's, let's uh, slow our roll here, Preston. You don't know that even if he gets healthy, he's coming back. Tippett's defensive whack-a-mole may not allow for it. So, <laughs> you know, you hope, but you don't know, right? Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, so. I agree with that 100%. I mean, I, I don't know if there is much drop-off between – I mean, obviously nurse isn't going to like miss a game or anything like that, but. And, doesn't mean he well, shouldn't. Guess, like, like, yeah, exactly. And like we were talking about <laughs> offline before, uh, uh, Larson probably isn't going to be scratched, even though I think we all think that <clears throat> the time has probably come a few times where, where he should be. But so those guys, those guys always have pretty, pretty secure spots. I think bear should always have a pretty se- secure spot in the lineup, but that, I don't, I don't know if that's actually the case. So I don't know who actually will, will will have to come out of the lineup for Legacy to come back in, but I do like Legacy. I think Legacy has been very solid this year, as you guys have said. I always I always thought I remember when we were doing the uh, the top twenty five under twenty five a few years ago, and I had them I think lower than most people did, and I but I ended up writing the article, and I just said I think he's going to be a really solid happens. third pairing defenseman. I just don't see him possibly like exceeding that because I don't really think he has much offensive upside at all. And I, I still think that's true, but he's just become the absolute best version of himself. And which is just a very steady. It's, it's basically what a lot of Oilers fans think Larson is Lagesson actually is. Um, so giant Swedish switch, Corey. Maybe, maybe that's my, uh, maybe that's my long answer for, for Larson needs to be the one coming out for him. But uh <laughs> But no, uh, I he'll take take turns with a few guys. There's it's a whack a mole, like you said, and uh, yeah. he'll get some games. And if he plays well, he'll stay in there, or maybe he won't. Well, I don't maybe know. he won't. Yeah, I've, I've noticed uh, Tippett Tippett has an affinity for a few players on the team. It, obviously, he loves Mike Smith. Mike Smith is his yeah. golden boy on the Oilers, outside of the Connor McDavid's and Leon Drysettles of the world. Uh, another one is Chris Russell. For some reason, everyone's favorite Oiler, who there is never any disagreements on Chris Russell has been in the lineup these last few games. He did make a good play on the Pooley RV goal uh, against Calgary. I'll give him that. He hasn't been that impressive. Otherwise, um, the howitzer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Pooley RV Johnny on the spot there. Let me, uh, let me ruin this Chris Russell appreciation party. One good play, (laughs) not an NHL career does make like slow it down over there, boys. (laughs) Like he's made more than enough poor plays that I don't think one good play is redeeming even in a game. 
no, by no means am I praising Chris Russell. I'm just giving him a little, a little bump up before I tear him down here because why haven't we seen Bouchard in the lineup the last few days? I understand he is a young player. He's going to make some mistakes, but he should be in there moving the puck over Chris Russell where the puck goes to die. And he's a vet. He should, he should know this stuff by now. So why hasn't Bouchard been back in the lineup? And when will we see him? Will we see him this series? I think uh, to answer the question why, it, it's probably not something I could really answer. It's something that only Dave Tippett could answer. Uh, it seems to have to do with, I'm sure he made a couple mistakes that Tippett's not a fan of. I mean, he's just not a fan of rookies in general or younger players. Uh, but I think if anyone needs to be in the lineup right now, apart from the guys who have absolutely solid spots in the lineup like you know if you've won a former mvp or something uh it, it needs to be bouchard because the offense have dried up a little bit and then the guy you take out is the defenseman who in my opinion most easily pushes the puck up the ice and creates offense just doesn't add up to me i mean i think evan bouchard is the key to the oilers playing run and gun hockey, which is the type of hockey the Oilers should always aspire to play because they have the horses to do it. And if both teams are getting chances at both ends, the Oilers, I feel like can just outfinish most teams because they have Connor McDavid because they have Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, so Evan Bouchard, and, and I, I mean, this sounds like I'm talking about Evan Bouchard, like he's Tyson Berry. I think Evan Bouchard actually has some pretty good defensive chops as well. Uh, maybe they're not quite as developed yet, but he's just a good passer. And if you're a passer at the Evan Bouchard level, you need to be playing in the NHL every game. That's just the way I see it. I don't know. He needs to be there every game, but he needs to be there a considerable amount of the games. I mean, he's still young. He can sit a bit. He doesn't need to be in there for each and every game, but yeah, he's made mistakes, you know, not to, to sound blasé, but Connor McDavid made mistakes in his first NHL season. You know, Leon Dreisaitl made mistakes in his first NHL season. That's why he ended up down in Kelowna. You know, don't even, like, if you're a coach, you got to know that every young guy is going to make mistakes. And why the heck you aren't utilizing a shortened season to rotate those guys in, to give them that experience, you know, to take the pressure off some other guys so that all of your guys are ready to go as you get closer to payoffs, that they're all, like, developing and that they all know what they need to do and they all aren't making those mistakes if you have an injury in the the final stretch and you got to put him in and he hasn't played you know you're setting yourself up for a situation that's not as good you know you put him in you let him play you work with him so that he doesn't keep making the same mistake I don't care if he makes a different mistake every game as long as it's not the same one thank you Chris Russell um <laughs> and that mistake you know, being just like the inability to to pass the puck at all well there's so many but he makes <laughs> yeah. the same ones you know like the positioning of chris russell's not great so you know he's always making fantastic blocks wait, but wait, they're wait, fantastic wait, wait. blocks because he's not in the right place so wait, with wait, bouchard wait, wait, wait. are we slamming the starfish right now yes we are <laughs> <laughs> starfish are fantastic animals they can regenerate arms. Chris Russell can't. I have less use for him. Um, but <laughs> I'm not sure, sure that he, he can't. He's, pre, he's a pretty tough guy. He's a pretty resilient Are you sure that human beings can't do that yet, guys? <laughs> okay. Um, but, like, give Bouchard that opportunity to make new mistakes, to learn what the positioning is, to learn what the speed is against NHL teams. And if you don't give him that 
honest opportunity. You're going to be in a situation at the end of this year or next year where he doesn't have it and the mistakes are more obvious and you need him because you've got nobody else. So, you know, all right, you've got a top six of defensive, you know, defenders that you like. Well, put him in there. Let him learn as he goes. Let him make new mistakes. You know, let him see what's going on, right? Let him score some goals. He's good at it, you know? Yeah. But, like, don't don't bench him. Give him two games. Bench him for another 10 and give him, like, a conciliatory game. That's going to do nothing for his development. That's the, and I would that's hope. That's the patented Yakupov treatment. Uh, Yakupov and uh, Puliarvi treatment. Puliarvi version one treatment yeah right well Puliarvi at least on. had the good sense to take himself out of that situation um but that's the thing is he's not going to develop so if you're a coach like the Oilers keep telling us of Tippett's caliber and experience and you know all these wonderful things why I should trust that Tippett knows what he's doing well then come on Dave Tippett show me you know what you're doing if sitting on my couch I can see you're not going to successfully develop a guy by sitting him for 10 games I sure as hell hope you know it, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't think- I don't know. I'm not an NHL coach and I've never claimed to be. Maybe there's some super secret sitting for 10 games mojo, but I've never seen it turn out well for the Oilers. Yeah, don't know. It hasn't turned out well for the Oilers in past years. Anyways, we're going to be right back after this quick break. We're going to be talking about the Oilers' goaltending performance and looking ahead at the Ottawa series. So stick around. All right. Okay, so we were just talking about defensive changes. Uh, Shona- Sean, Shona, oh my goodness, I'm going to mispronounce your name a thousand times. I am so sorry. That's all right. I answered um, a lot of things. Don't worry about it. Just had a, a huge, great explanation regarding uh, uh, Evan Bouchard. And uh, we're going to move from one topic about Dave Tippick possibly not handling things the greatest to another topic where maybe he is handling it all right. Uh, we're going to talk about Mike Smith because Mike Smith has been absolutely crazy good this year much to everyone's surprise including myself when the Oilers re-signed Smith I was not a fan of it I thought it was a bad move I thought he has passed his prime and I feel like you guys felt the same but he started the season 7-2-0 and has a 9.25 save percentage through 11 games and he weathered the storm against Calgary they could have been a very different story if Smith wasn't on his game last night so what do you guys make of Mike Smith rediscovering himself so far? Uh, my main takeaway from Mike Smith rediscovering himself is that I just know nothing about goaltending. I mean, I could not tell you why a goaltender is good or why he's bad. Uh, I figure that Mike Smith will go back to being bad very soon uh, just because, you know, that's, that's the Mike, Mike Smith. Smith that I know. Uh, but Hey, maybe he won't because I don't know Dick about goaltending. So please keep the puck out of the net. I don't know if uh, that's something you're able to consistently do, but uh, hey, good job so far. Yeah, like he's uh, Smith, you know, when he was younger, um, was a pretty solid and fairly, you know, top end goaltender, but he's not like you said, Preston, he's way past his prime, you know, so yeah, it's working, I guess, to sign him this year. He's had a phenomenal year. But, like, if we were talking about a goaltender for another team, they'd be telling us, you know, Edmonton Media would be telling us this isn't, you know, necessarily sustainable. Like, don't, you know, pin your hopes on it. Like, yeah, he's had some good games, but guess what? We can always still have this breakthrough game against him. And I'm pretty sure that that's what, you know, some of the uh, 
media for other teams in this North division are saying, you know, like, oh yeah, Smith started out like in this ascendant, you know, best ever Mike Smith form, you know, but that doesn't mean he's going to stay there. All you need is one really phenomenally poor game and his close against average is tanked. Right. Yeah. And his save percentage is lowered considerably, you know, um, I don't know. I watch uh, more uh, Western hockey league hockey than I watch NHL hockey and you see goaltenders just going to run there and they're just phenomenal. And then there's like this moment of, of one really bad period, one really bad set of five minutes that just shakes their confidence and they just don't, you know, they don't bounce back. Right. So um, do I think that Smith will continue being in like super Mike Smith? No, I think that, you know, the law of averages says that five minutes or that period or that game where he's all two humans coming right and yeah keep Absolutely. like Corey Absolutely. said keep the puck out of the net as much as you can please like begging you like <laughs> well yeah and this isn't anything new for mike smith right last season we saw him go on like an 11 2 and 0 run in what was it like january or february kind of the same time he's on this run right now um and then he just tanked it in the playoffs um like i i like to say about mike smith the what oh the play in we never oh, actually the made play the play off. they're they're playoffs man we're playoffs <laughs> as long as you I, don't put up a banner it's, it's fine. yeah no yeah, the, the, the pace the oilers have been going there should be a banner up there because making the play yeah. is a remarkable achievement in itself for this team over the for past sure. 10 years um but yeah so mike smith we've seen him go into this god mode and we've seen him be just absolute trash um lately it's been you're either getting a super good game by mike smith or a super bad game by mike smith you never gain anything in between and that's problematic because lots of the time when he's super bad well the game's out of reach before we're even ready to to do anything about it i need mike smith to go read goldilocks again you know like the porridge is too hot. The porridge is too cold. The porridge is just exactly. right. Give me a few just right games that we can build off Mike Smith. Like. Yeah, and uh, let's say we do get a few just right games, but Tippett is wanting to just give him a rest. Um, it would usually be Miko Koskinen in that role. Koskinen's been kind of struggling. He had a very rough game against the Leafs where he led in the first two shots against en route to a 3 nothing loss. Um, we got Alex Stalock now who was pretty decent for the Minnesota Wild last year. He wrestled the starting role away from Devin No, Dubnik. no, no, don't talk to me about this. He did. He wrestled the, he the starting role away from Devin Dubnik. I don't and know if that was. And it still frustrates me. <laughs> I don't know if, <laughs> you're very passionate about this. I don't know if it was because Stalock was so good or if Dubnik was just so bad last year. So well, we got him now. Uh, what's, what, what's your guys' thoughts about this? What, what, what's going to happen with Alex Stalock? My thoughts are I probably shouldn't talk about Alex Stalock. Um, the running joke in my family is that when the Oilers traded Dudnick down to the Habs and then he ended up in Arizona, that in the divorce, I went with the goalie. So uh, <laughs> I got no chill about Alex Stalock. <laughs> Recently acquired a love of teal, though. Um, no clue why. <laughs> but uh, um, no, uh, I think if we see him, then that means something's wrong with Koskinen or Smith. So uh because Tippett's pretty set on these two goalies. So if we see him, there's something there. So uh, Yeah. I'm not, I'm not so sure there isn't something wrong with Kostin, Koskinen. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that for sure. Like you said, sometimes a goalie can lose confidence for a little bit. 
Um, you know, you can have 11 games where Mike Smith looks like a Vesna contender. And then, you know, after five more games, maybe has an 800 something save percentage because small samples are, you know, super small in goalie terms. Uh, but yeah, if we see Staylock, I, I think he's a decent bet to be a competent NHL goalie based on what he did last year. And I do realize that playing behind the Minnesota wild defense is a little different than playing behind the Edmonton. Uh, defense. So, not as different as you might think. Right. They, I mean, they have, they they have a couple horses on the, on the top. Pool. They had uh, some pools last year, but yeah. <laughs> and yeah, which is the Oilers might have as much defensive depth. They just don't have the big, the big names at, at the top of the defensive depth chart, but he played pretty well by all accounts last year. So, you know, why not give him a shot? Because the Oilers have a goalie who didn't play particularly well last year and Mike Smith, who they gave a shot earlier and he's act- actually turned out. So what do you, what do yeah, you t- stop talking logic, Corey? This is the Oilers. Thanks roll. Yeah. We have to disagree on everything. And then we have to disregard logic when it comes in our pathways. That's the Edmonton Oiler way. Right. All I'm right. Down with that. Let's do that. So, yeah. you know, can, can you revise your answer to disregard logic? <laughs> yeah, he's trash. Get him out of here. I don't Perfect. want to give him a chance. Good job. Good job. <laughs> we got, our, we got our, our black and white goalies where we don't know what the hell we're going to get every night. We don't need yeah. another one. Well, All I right. Mean... So looking ahead here, we got Ottawa for three straight games. It looks like a golden opportunity to get way back into the race for the top of the division. But... Ottawa's been rolling of late. The Oilers have been struggling of late. So that's a recipe for disaster for our overconfident Oilers team if they go into the series underestimating the Senators. What are some reasonable expectations over the, the course of the next three games? Uh-huh. I think they've, they've got to win at least two, you would yeah, think, I would, right? I would think that they should be aiming to go two and one. I mean, would a sweep be nice? Three would be great. Lovely. But, yeah. you know. I don't think Ottawa don't is that bad. So much, don't want to put so much pressure on them that they, uh, you know, <laughs> have a little more moment where they're like, oh, we're going to lose two now because pressure, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was the just Oilers looking up on, uh, oh, sorry. I was just I'm, looking up on natural stat trick that, that Ottawa's like 17th in the league in all situations expected goals for. Like they're really, their, their problem so far is they just can't buy a save. Like they've, they've been getting no goaltending. Uh, Maybe we should send them Stalock. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> just oh, like I just said, trade partners, right trash. Um, but I'm sure that would just work out to bite us in the ass, and he'd win the. It would, it would. He'd win the cup or something. But uh, yeah, Matt Murray's not been particularly good. Uh, but the rest of the team, like they actually like play a solid game. And I remember the last Oilers win over the Sens. Uh, it was kind of forgivable because I believe. It was our second game, our second or third game against them in a short uh, time span. So you're like, hey, they're not going to dominate them every game, and at least they got the win. But like Ottawa looked pretty good in that game, and I'm not so sure that they won't come out and look pretty good in the three game set against the Oilers coming up. So I think you do have to pump the brakes if you just expect the Oilers to go score 30 goals in the next three games and absolutely dominate Ottawa because I think some people are looking past Ottawa. And I don't think they're quite as bad as people thought at the start of the year. They're already at eight wins. They're probably going to get in the high teens, if not 20 wins this season, which is a lot better than I, I remember some pundits said that they, they would be 
maybe a 10 win team uh, because of how terrible they looked at the start of the year. And they're just not actually that bad. There's a few teams I'm sure who are worse than them, just not in the North division. No. And I mean, they have rebounded from like the, the very first set that the Oilers played against them, not the most recent one, but like where they had like two wins and had nothing together. They're not that team anymore. Right. Right. As sad as that is for the rest of us in the North division who are like, Oh yes, a team that's easy pickings. Excellent. You know, um, they're not going to stay that way. But yeah, and they have all the motivation in the world. We're, we're 4-0 against them. They're going to want to change that. They're going to want to put a, they're going to put a loss in our, in our record against them, of course. So. Yeah. And they've yeah, got, they've not, got those, yeah. they've got those players that, you know, have talent. And if they're given the ability to, to use that to work as a, uh, and if they can get their stuff together as a team, they'll be fairly like same thing. We've always said about the Oilers. Like if you can get your lines rolling, if your defense is working, if you maybe have a goaltender who can stop a freaking football, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be doing much better. And okay. Ottawa's got maybe two of those three right now. Um, so the pens are looking real good on that Matt Murray thing, but um, they're not, they're not that awful, you know, like they're, they're making the best out of a bad situation and Oilers fans should remember how much they hated being overlooked in some of those uh, particularly disastrous rebuilds, you know? Yeah. Although being overlooked, I think was warranted back then. Okay. Well, shush. I'm not talking about whether it was warranted. I'm talking about how they felt being overlooked. You know, if you didn't like it, don't be doing it to other people. You know, the Oilers also have the nasty habit of playing at the level of their opponents, right? You know, they have an amazing game against a really high caliber team, absolutely fantastic. And you think they've all put it together. You think, okay, they're going to go in and get two points from this next team because they're struggling and the wheels come off and, you know, you're just like, where was that team I saw against X, you know, cup contender. You yeah. Know? That reminds me of, I think it was last season, might've been last season or season before the Oilers beat a high, a high quality team like Washington. And everyone was like, oh, God, are the Oilers for real here? Like, they beat Washington in convincing fashion. And then, like, three nights later, they got whooped by by the Senators, like, 5-1. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah. oh, I guess they weren't. I guess they no, weren't but that's, real. That's, that's, the, that's one of the things the Oilers have always struggled with, you know. And Oilers goalies struggle with the same thing as consistency. You know, you can play a godlike game or you can play a trash game. But what you really need to be at the top of it is the ability to play godlike games – but also to, to send out a string of really strong, but not like, you know, doesn't have to be feast or famine. Some good games, some solid games like that last win against Ottawa that aren't necessarily like we've scored every goal known to man, but are still strong, solid wins are what the Oilers need. So if they can reel off two out of the three here, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Maybe the three losses at Toronto is just a good omen because it means that they're going to nothing. Stop never being Toronto, be, no, losing to Toronto is never a good omen. And beat the teams who are bad. Cause no, you know, it's never a good omen, Corey. Sense. Okay. No. Okay. We're going like, to hope that uh, Shona is wrong here and that it is a good omen and that the Oilers are going to come up on a three right, game well, winning streak. I'll, I'll hope it's a good omen, but I will still say losing to Toronto is never good. Can we all agree on that? Oh, I think, that, I think sure. absolutely. I think that's the perfect <laughs> Uh, sentiment to end on here um losing to toronto is never good let's never do it again edmonton okay everyone thanks for listening to the debut podcast of the of copper and blue we had a lot of fun putting this together it's been a long time in the making it's taken forever for this to get off the ground and we're really happy 
that it, it finally has. Um, Shona and Corey, where can uh, the listeners find you on social media? And if you have anything to plug, by all means, go for it now. You know yeah, what, listeners, oh, don't find me on social media. If you really need to, it's connected to the cop from Blue, but please don't find me. I get too many guys telling me I don't know shit about hockey to want you to find me. <laughs> Corey, go. <laughs> I, think my, I think my Twitter handle is at Corey Travers. Like, I, without, uh, without having it in front of me, I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, but I don't know. Copper and Blue retweets a bunch of my stuff, so just just find me there. Yeah, you're bound, uh, you're bound to find all of us here on the, on the Twitter feed of Copper and Blue. Yeah, you'll find us probably don't have to find look for us individually just just follow the copper and blue account they're uh that's that's a good account yeah it's a fantastic account if you ever want to argue about the Oilers and you have a hot take direct it at the copper and blue twitter account our twitter handler matt barwick he will gladly have a civilized discussion with you uh you can find me on twitter as well i'm at nhl hodgkinson if you're in st albert hey i write for the st albert gazette as well so uh flick through the paper and try to find my name it's a little game we're going to do on this podcast every week uh and then other uh, does this that, mean i gotta read the paper yes it's a dying medium but not in st albert it's going to be very successful there right now uh, other Perfect. than that uh you can find me on uh, copper and blue as well we're hopefully going to be doing this every week uh we're hoping to get this up every monday um if we can do that we're not too sure but uh if everything goes well we'll see you next monday thanks for listening